Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. And welcome to At Your Service. Brad Young in with you this evening until 10 o'clock. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Uh, I never, ever take that for granted. And you've you've heard me uh, say this before, but from my perspective, At Your Service means that we get to talk. Not just me talking to you, but this is a two-way street. So we've got an interview set up this evening for uh 820 to 830. But otherwise, the phone lines will be open all evening, 314-436-7900. You can call or text. And I read all texts uh, except those that violate FCC regulations. Uh, And, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we we had two callers in a row uh, who were two callers in a row who were violating FCC regulations. But it's nothing to fear. Matt Pajeski is at the board and will make sure to keep your ears pristine and pure as the wind-driven snow. So it will not uh, harm uh, your ears this evening. Uh, you know, the biggest the biggest frustration I have with doing a show once a week is that stuff happens and I don't I have to wait a couple of days to talk about it. That's I gotta tell you, that's the biggest frustration. So we all know about the Trump raid, uh, or the raid rather on Trump's house in Florida. And we heard from Attorney General Merrick Garland today, and, and I'll get into the legalities of this later. And, and, you know, listen, I'm an attorney. My law firm here, Harris, Dow, Fisher & Young, uh, I get to provide you with legal analysis, and it doesn't even cost you 350 bucks an hour. It can, you know, it's, it's gratis. So, And it's even better if you're listening on the Odyssey app, so make sure that you download the Odyssey app here at any time, anywhere you are. I was on vacation a couple of weeks ago in Europe. I had the Odyssey app with me. I was listening to Camwex in Germany. So you can listen to it anywhere you are. But uh, we all know that his safe, to me, this was the biggest news about uh, the raid on Trump's house. Not the biggest legal news, because I'll get into that as the show unfolds. But the biggest interesting news was that he had he had a safe that apparently was forcibly opened by the FBI. Well, this is breaking news. I didn't hear it on CBS. I didn't hear it from Sean Michael 
Lyle, either. So, uh, but I'm going to give you some breaking news because we've just heard some of the things that were in the safe. Now, I got to tell you, this has not been confirmed yet, so we'll have to wait and see if this is confirmed for CBS News. But one of the things that was found in the safe was thousands of McDonald's receipts going back to 1994. Uh, the, the, they were in there with all of his Diet Coke and uh, and Big Macs and all of those. They were all in that safe. Now, this was a this was a huge safe, so there's a lot of things in there, including. And I don't know who gave this to him, but apparently Trump had world's best president mug uh, that he kept in the safe. I don't know why. If if you've got a coffee mug in the safe, I don't understand how you can use it. But apparently uh, he had it in there. The other thing, now to me, this is what's going to be breaking the news tomorrow, is that also found in Trump's safe was apparently Obama's actual birth certificate. That he had been holding on to this thing for apparently like seven years, and uh, I, I didn't even know this was true, but he was actually born in Mount Vernon, Illinois. I had no idea uh, that Obama was actually born uh, in, in Mount Vernon, Illinois. So we'll, we'll be uh, looking at that, I'm sure, in the days to come. The other thing that was in there, a couple of two more things, and then we've, we've unfortunately got to uh, skip the frivolity, but... Uh, but he actually took the real nuclear codes with him, and he just gave Biden some fake ones. So that way you don't have to worry when you see Biden coughing and not knowing where he is. He can't put his jacket on without uh, Jill helping him. It's okay. He doesn't have the nuclear codes because Trump had them in the safe. So it's literally it's not a problem. And uh, the other thing uh, that was in there uh, was he had over one million unsent tweets that he would just store on a flash drive uh, in in his safe. So um, I don't know if any of this is is going to be you know tested by the news in the coming days, but we'll have to uh, wait and see how how that uh, how that plays out. One of the other things, and I've been covering this story uh, for probably a year or a year and a half, has been this issue. And I think as an attorney, to me, it's upsetting when freedom of speech is squelched. It doesn't matter if you disagree with it. It doesn't matter if you don't like it. That's the whole idea of the marketplace of ideas. Uh, and one of the greatest of those stories has been the, the initially the initial theory about the, the Wuhan virus, the coronavirus, was that it came out of a lab. It was leaked out of a lab. Well, social media companies were literally censoring that story. If you said it, you got put in social media timeout, and the White House was cooperating. And I, you've heard me say right here on the 50,000 Red Hot Watts many times that while that may not violate the First Amendment, it should if the White House is colluding and directing these tech companies to violate your free speech rights. Well, Eric Schmidt filed a lawsuit in May. Uh, it was – he – he got passed a motion to dismiss on various grounds, and the judge, as recently as two weeks ago, took some more action. So joining us after the break will be uh, Cornell University law professor William Jacobson. Uh, he runs a website called LegalInsurrection.com. I go to it every single day, and he's going to talk to us about the constitutional issues that are involved when you've got the government directing tech companies on what to do and how to say it and what they can say and what they can't say 
and whether that violates the First Amendment. We've got lots of other things here on the show this evening. I hope you'll stick around till 10 o'clock. We'll be back with Professor Jacobson right after this on 1120 KMOX. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back to KMOX. Uh, back in May, and you heard me talk about it when this was filed, but Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt he filed a lawsuit against top-ranking Biden administration officials for allegedly colluding to suppress freedom of speech. But the question is, what are the constitutional issues that are underlying this lawsuit and what could it mean for big tech companies? So joining us this evening is Cornell University School of Law Professor William Jacobson. He's founder of the website LegalInsurrection.com. It's a website that I literally go to multiple times Every single day. It's one of my favorite websites. Professor Jacobson, hey, thanks for joining us again here on KMOX. Thanks for having me on again. Uh, let's start with some foundational principles. The First Amendment, we all know, protects free speech, but that doesn't apply to private companies, does it? No, generally not. It does not apply unless they somehow have voluntarily agreed to abide by that, which a lot of universities have. A lot of universities have policies and principles that mirror the First Amendment. But generally speaking, no, it, the 
First Amendment prevents the government from interfering with your speech uh, and, you know, your free speech. So, no, it, generally speaking, it doesn't. And that's the issue with a lot of social media censoring that goes on. People say, hey, private company, nothing you can do about it. They're entitled to, you know, do what they want on their own platform. So generally speaking, no, it doesn't apply. Right. And, and my law firm, which is right here in St. Louis, if I've got an employee who, and of course, there are lots of issues in an employment situation with regarding to, uh, or, or pertaining rather to potential union activities or union uh, busting activities or wage and hour issues. But if an employee says something that's outrageous, I can fire them for that. And the First Amendment doesn't protect an individual from that kind of uh, action, generally speaking, correct? Correct. Okay. I wanted to lay that out because we're moving into a different territory. I mean, over the past, I guess, 18 months or so, we've seen something new, and that is members of the Biden administration who are actually instructing tech companies on what subjects the tech companies need to restrict free speech on, like issues such as the Hunter Biden laptop story or stories about the origins of the COVID-19 virus in China or even the effectiveness of vaccines or masks. So what is the constitutional problem, Professor Jacobson, when the government colludes with private companies to restrict free speech? Well, the issue would be, is the private company now acting as uh, essentially the government? Is If the government tells a private company to restrict speech, then it's no longer private conduct. It's arguably, it would depend on the facts, but it arguably is now government conduct. And that's uh, one of the issues that's hotly contested is whether the Biden administration has been instructing uh, various private platforms mm-hmm. to censor speech. And does that now become government conduct such that the First Amendment would apply? And, and haven't we seen this? I always like to look at different areas of the law to, to look for examples or metaphors. And haven't we seen this in the past, like, for example, with, uh, with, with mafia cases or with organized crime cases where the government gets an agent and sends them in? Uh, one of the defenses against whatever that agent who goes in Uh, Even if they may be uh, a member of the inner circle of the organized crime unit, uh, they could be acting under what's called color of law. And in those situations, and of course, there's a million uh, uh, examples of that or a million ways that that may not work. But isn't that also a generally a situation where if if someone is acting at the behest of the government, then the rules that apply to the government, they apply to that individual. That's right. I don't know if it's you know a perfect analogy, but it's certainly a good one that when you're acting on behalf of the government, you are now uh, the government for you know constitutional privilege purposes, for constitutional mm-hmm. protections purposes. So that's you know that is you know an, definitely an issue. Well, and, and when we talk going back to this issue issue of collusion between the White House. Uh, and tech companies. I mean, this isn't just an academic hypothetical. I mean, I I got this quote from Jen Psaki when she was then the White House spokesperson, and this is the quote that she said, We are in regular touch with the social media platforms, and those engagements typically happen through members of our senior staff. We're flagging problematic posts for Facebook that spread disinformation. We engage them regularly, and they certainly understand what our requests are, unquote. 
that's almost uh, exhibit A of collusion, isn't it, Professor? Well, well, it is, and it could be direction, and uh, that's something that's going to have to be found out. How far did it go? Was it just a nod and a wink on a press conference, or was, was she being truthful when she said we're telling them what we expect of them? And you mentioned something. That's something that's going to have to be discovered. We're, we're talking to law professor William Jacobson, founder of the website LegalInsurrection.com. And when you talk about this is something we're going to have to find, this is the reason why I wanted to have you on the show this evening, because uh, in late July, there was a judge, a federal judge overseeing the case. Uh, that judge granted Missouri's request for an expedited discovery. So... Discovery is a big word. What does that mean? And how does this show or demonstrate that this litigation has, uh, I wouldn't say necessarily a high likelihood, but it has a likelihood of success on the merits because of what the judge did in July? Yeah, well, uh, Missouri and Louisiana sued um, the Biden administration and sued some of the major platforms, social media and high tech platforms, alleging that their citizens' First Amendment rights were being restricted because the platforms were acting at the direction of the Biden administration. And they sought an injunction, and there's going to be an injunction hearing. I don't know if the date's been set, but it's not on a super fast track. And what they asked for is before we go to the hearing, we want to take discovery. And discovery in the court context means you get to take testimony from people. You get to subpoena information. You get to uh, ask written questions and have them answered. So you get to use all the different tools that to find out, to discover what has happened. And that that is huge because under the judge's order, and we don't know how far it will go because they're going to have to serve requests, the, these two states get expedited discovery in advance of the hearing. So they're going to have to they're going to be able to identify who is communicating with the Biden administration from these platforms, who in the Biden administration was commu- uh, uh, communicating with them. What emails are there? What text messages are there? What other things are there? And obviously the hope in these sort of things is that somebody perhaps never thinking this would get to court says something <laughs> in an email or a text message that, yep. as they say, says the quiet part out loud. Okay? <laughs> you know, and, and that's what you hope. And, but it's, I think it's going to be a high bar. To, to reach. If it's just a nod and a wink, if it's just, hey, we agree with the Biden administration that what's going on is bad, et cetera. I don't think that's going to be it. Mm. You're going to have to find something more. You're going to have to some sort of direction, some sort of perhaps implied or explicit threat that the government might take action if these platforms don't crack down. So I think we don't know what's going to be there, but I don't think it's it would be way premature sure, to declare mm-hmm. victory at this point. Oh, All sure. You can say, and I think your your attorney general, um, who I think is running for governor. Uh, uh, running for the is, Senate. He just won the Republican Senate, primary, right. and, he, and he's probably going to be the, the next junior senator from Missouri. Yep, yep. I, I knew that. At Senate, um, I, the way he put it when this ruling came down was, we finally get to look under the hood. And that's what's extraordinary, because no one's gotten to look under the hood. We don't know what goes on at Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all those other places. 
because there's no way to know it's a private right. company. So, uh, so now those states are going to get to look under the hood. Mm. They may find a lot or they may not find a lot because maybe people were smart enough not to put it in writing. Uh, they will get to take testimony. So even if it's not in writing, they can ask people. But obviously, if there's a text message or an email, that would be best. Yes. Uh, have you ever heard of a lawsuit like this ever before? Well, I think there have been a lot of lawsuits by people getting kicked off these platforms. And I think they've generally been unsuccessful unless you can show that the platform itself is not honoring its user agreement. Right. So, you know, and the few that have been either successful or settled, um, I think there was Alex Berenson, uh, a guy who was uh, sure who contested some of the covid information that was out there and was kicked off Twitter, uh, did sue. Uh, did manage to keep the lawsuit alive, and then they settled and they left him, let him back in. I don't know if there were any other terms. Those aren't public, but he's back on Twitter. And so I think his argument in court was that they did not, they did not apply their own user agreement properly, uh, that what I did w- did not fall under their user agreement as, uh, you know, mm-hmm. information. Or, or something to get me suspended. So, uh, but generally speaking, these are not these lawsuits are not successful because uh, these are private platforms. Right, but there's never been a lawsuit that I know of where someone has sued alleging that the that the federal government has been colluding with tech companies. To me, that's that's a novel strategy. Yeah, I don't know whether any of these private individual lawsuits have alleged that in terms of a First Amendment, but you have to have some evidence. And the uh, two states, I think, did a, did a pretty credible job in their pleadings at laying out at least what's publicly available, including mm-hmm. that famous statement from Jen Psaki yes. and some other things. And, you know, sometimes you just have to get the right judge. I mean, as much as we'd like to say <laughs> it's always consistent, it's not. I mean, you have to get a judge who says, okay, I'll let you mm-hmm. take some discovery. Uh, you know, and so another judge might have ruled differently. But those discovery decisions are not the sort of thing an appeals court normally would get involved in. They would leave that to the trial court. Good point. Uh, we're talking to Cornell Law Professor uh, William Jacobson from LegalInsurrection.com. And before we go, Professor, tell us a little bit about LegalInsurrection.com and uh, what kind of information you provide on there, because it's truly, truly unique. I would say it's a politics and law blog. So most of what we cover is politics, but I think our specialty is the overlap between politics and law. And there's plenty of that. All the stuff that's going on in Florida now with the raid on Mar-a-Lago, that's the sort of stuff we cover. It's law, but it's politics. And so that's really it. Uh, We, you know, uh, publish, you know, almost around the clock, Uh, I'm not sure we're the fastest to get stuff out there, but we're pretty good. And we've been doing this now for almost 14 years. Amazing. We have a good, I hope, a good reputation. Uh, You do. And and as I said earlier, you have my eyeballs on your website every single day and almost more than once, usually more than once, because uh, I always want to see when you update the news articles, because that convergence of law and politics 
uh, is is a very it's a passionate subject of mine. So, Professor Jacobson, thanks for joining us again here on Camel X. And as this lawsuit moves forward and some information comes out, we'll probably check back with you again. Great, thank you very much. Take care. Thanks for your time, sir. Hey, when we come back from the break, we're going to cover this a little bit more, and of course, other news of the day. But does that bother you? What does it give you any concern when the government is instructing tech companies on ways to restrict your free speech? I mean, let me let me ask you this: If the White House spokesperson stood at her podium and repeatedly demanded that private booksellers burn only certain books that the federal government doesn't like or else face grave legal consequences, wouldn't you see that as a First Amendment problem? And to me, this is no different. What are your thoughts? 314-436-7900. At your service. Don't go away. We're not talking about anything of any substance this evening, just First Amendment rights, just the government colluding with billion-dollar corporations to stop your free speech. You know, nothing big, nothing important. Brad Young here with you on At Your Service. And uh, Lee called up during the break. Hey, Lee, welcome to Camel X. Thank you very much for taking my call. My pleasure. I am a public school teacher of some 35 years. Thank you, sir. Currently 74 years young. Not like your name. Well, see, but, I'll always be young. Well, that's true. <laughs> so will I. Then. My father said you count backwards when you hit 39. Oh, well, my wife does the same thing, but go ahead. Anyway, I was just wondering if I had any rights as a public school teacher and if I was mandated to report bruises on a child that I've seen in school hmm. as a state law. Yeah, that, that is an interesting idea. Uh, there there are limitations on teachers in school. And for example, and I know this is not what you're calling about, but there are some limitations on what teachers can or cannot say during the school day. Uh, and But there's no limitations from a speech perspective outside of the school. So there, there are some restrictions, but they're not complete. Now, when it comes to those mandatory reporting, I do know that that is mandated by, uh, by state law. And I'm not aware of any challenges, Lee, to those statutes, those mandatory reporting statutes, because that's not uh, that's not something that you have the freedom to do. In other words, if you see a bruise on a student, it is within the purview of the legislature uh, to mandate that you report those bruises or report that ab- abuse. So uh, without researching that in detail, I would tell you that I think those statutes are valid. Is it state or federal statute? Uh, I believe it's I believe it's state. Now I'm sure that there are federal regulations that deal with that, but generally, school the 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 monitoring and the running of the schools is done by the states. And what happens is the federal government uh, has regulations that they make sure that schools comply with in order to get additional federal funding. So my guess is is that we're talking about a state statute. Uh, possibly a federal regulation, but the statute would be state. Can I add one other thing? Sure. I travel now that I'm retired after uh, 35 years of teaching in the Costa Rica, Central America specifically. Mm -hmm. And if you look at a kid cross-eyed in Central America, you can get arrested. Interesting. On what charge? Just for? For 
quote, maybe harassment or whatever okay. the term may be. I don't know what the legal term. I'm not a lawyer. I'm a school teacher. A, a much more noble profession, I assure you. Thank you, sir. Well, I appreciate I pre- your time. And thank you for calling in, and thanks for listening to Wax. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's interesting. There was a case at the Supreme Court, I think it was in 1968, called uh, Pickering versus Board of Education. And in that case, and again, we're, this is more of a free speech issue that I'm discussing here, but in that case, uh, the teacher uh, had sent a letter to the editor of the newspaper complaining about the school board. And when he did that, he got fired. And he challenged that firing, that termination of his employment, and he argued, hey, look, I was exercising my free speech. A school is an is a arm of the government, and they've punished me for my speech. And uh, and it went all the way up to the Supreme Court. And I think it was Justice Thurgood Marshall who actually wrote the opinion stating that that was a violation of his rights. The government was squelching his free speech. On the other hand, when you've got on the flip side what's going on right now in Florida, which I think is still valid, the, the state law prevents teachers from teaching curricula based to, to kindergartens, kids, first grade, second grade, and I think third grade, it mandates that teachers are not allowed to teach curriculum regarding uh, transgender issues. So, and everyone got outraged about that, but that's not squelching the free speech of the teachers. That's simply requiring and mandating what they can or cannot teach in the school. And at that point, if the teachers want to go out after the, after the school day is over, and protest the school and protest DeSantis, they're free to do that. That's their freedom of expression at work. But with regard to the curriculum that's taught, the teacher doesn't have a First Amendment right to determine the the curriculum. Now, I know there's something called academic freedom, but academic freedom uh, is not a legal right. Academic freedom is a concept that's at universities. Typically, universities is where you see that. So I just want to make sure that I point out those distinctions in the law. They're not based upon the content. In other words, one's not legal because, oh, it's uh, somehow standing up against transgender. It's not the point. I mean, the, the state could pass a law that says uh, that schools cannot teach curriculum discussing uh, heterosexual marriages in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, or third grade. And that would be equally valid. So it's not the content of what's being uh, squelched, it's what it, it's directing what can be taught. And again, all of those teachers in Florida, can they can go out and protest all they want to their heart's desire, and they probably do on social media, about uh, how they think about the school, how they think about DeSantis, how they think about state law. They're free to do all of that unencumbered by the state of Florida. Now, one of the things that I was talking with Professor Jacobson, and I really like Professor Jacobson. Uh, I go to his website every day, and I wasn't kidding when I said that. But what's interesting here is we were talking about this idea of collusion. And when you discuss this idea of collusion, there was a story that just came out today uh, in the New York Post, which to me is outrageous, that demonstrates this level of collusion between the federal government uh, and the media. And, and this, is, uh, I'm, this is the story. Uh, last year, GOP Senator Tim Scott, uh, he wanted to write an op-ed piece 
for the New York Times, and he actually wrote it. And when he submitted it to the editor, the the director of the editor page, the editor was told by the editor-in-chief that, and I, I'm not kidding, this is from a, a woman named Barry Weiss, who resigned from the New York Times two years ago because she was bullied because she wasn't liberal enough. She was a liberal, but she wasn't liberal enough. And uh, so she was fired. But she said today uh, that before they could run that op-ed piece by Senator Tim Scott, she was told by newspaper management that they had to get the permission of New York Senator Chuck Schumer before they could actually run an op-ed piece. Now, let that sink in for a moment. A newspaper that directs the editorial page editor that you have to get the permission of a senator, a U.S. senator, before you can run an op-ed piece in a newspaper? I mean, if you want to talk about collusion, folks, that that is collusion in a nutshell. And I wouldn't care if you flipped the if you flipped the issue and said, well, the New York Post wouldn't run it unless they got Rand Paul's permission. I would have the same reaction that that's wrong. So it's not a reaction based on the politics of the person. It's a reaction based upon collusion with the government. And you want to talk about collusion with the government? Go to Russia right now and try to find out how the war is going in Ukraine. If you if you want to see what happens when the government controls the media, go to North Korea right now and 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 see what the what the media reports about the living standards in North Korea. They're not reporting in North Korean media that people are eating dogs because they're starving to death. They're not going to report that. So anytime you have that collusion between government and the media, it's a recipe for disaster. And I just see that happening and that's why I applaud State Senator Schmidt for filing that lawsuit. Hey, we've got more at your service tonight. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to At Your Service. Hey, next hour, you're going to want to stick around for this because I'm going to dig deeply into this whole search warrant situation at Mar-a-Lago and talk about uh, not the opinions that you would hear uh, somewhere else because I'm not I'm not going to castigate the FBI and I'm not going to rail on this is outrageous. I'm going to go through the legal issues that we're going to be seeing, that how this will be challenged, what may be the outcome, those types of issues, uh, because to me that's the real meat and potatoes of this issue. It's unprecedented, but we're going to break some of that down in the next hour. Also, uh, if you've heard about the uh, the Inflation Reduction Act, really it should be called the IRS Full Employment Act is what it should be called uh, because of the IRS agents that are going to be hired. So I'll be going through all that in the next hour, and hopefully you will be a part of the show as well. Uh, Matt Pajeski, I want to pick on you for a second. Uh, Jurassic Park, that's one of my all-time favorite movies, the original. I like the one that just came out yeah. because it brought – did you see the most I, recent one? I, I've seen all of them. You've seen all of them, yeah. Yep. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs up. Yeah. You had to pause like a not great. Well, just... it, it wasn't my favorite of the newest ones, and I don't think any of the newest trilogy of movies, I don't think any of those beat the originals. But yeah, exactly it, it's, right. it's fun. It's good. It's not like a great wow movie, but, yeah, it's, it's good for what it is. Well – the the first when the first one came out and and Michael Crichton was always one of my favorite authors. I read every book that he wrote, and uh, 
And so I'd already read Jurassic Park when the movie came out. So the movie comes out, but I'm sitting in a theater. And when you when I first saw, and this is going to mean nothing to you because you're twenty something and you've you've got you know you know special effects, you've seen them your whole entire life. It's yawn, no big deal. But listen, those special effects in 1992 were amazing. I bet because we'd never seen anything like that before. Okay, but when you watch Jurassic Park, even the, specifically the first one, does that seem like that tech that they talk about? Does that seem like that's something that we could actually do? Nowadays, it seems like it's like we're getting closer to something like that. Uh, I hope we have the morality not to, not to do that, but I'm not so sure. Yeah, I'm just thinking of Jeff Goldblum saying, you spent so much time thinking if you could that you didn't stop to think if we should. Right. Now, I wish I could do a Jeff Goldblum impression, but Dinosaurs. I can't. Dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. Yeah, adding an extra... Uh, extra letters in there. But the reason why I'm asking you this, and I've got a follow-up question for you in just a second, but there's a startup, as a Texas startup company. I don't know how they're going to make money on this, but they're using genetic engineering, and they promise, the CEO promises, of course, I'm sure it's a promise made to his investors, but he's promising that within six years from now, by the end of 2028, that we will have an actual live woolly mammoth because they've got genetic, they got cells from woolly mammoths and the woolly mammoth, the last living woolly mammoth walked the earth 4,000 years ago. So they've got it frozen in this in the Siberian tundra and they're, uh, this tech company, the startup company in Texas promises to have one. They're going to implant it in an Asian elephant they're going to fix the DNA. If there's any problems with the DNA, they're going to supplant it with Asian elephant DNA. And they're going to have it alive and walking the earth in 2028. Good idea, bad idea? Well, my initial thought is bad idea, but it's not a T-Rex. It's not <laughs> a Velociraptor, so maybe it's it's not that bad of an idea. The Indominus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, don't know, up. I don't know how fearsome or ferocious a, uh, a woolly mammoth is, but... As long as they uh, take care of it and are nice to it and, you know, take the proper precautions, maybe uh, maybe it'd be something doable. Well, I, I've got a prediction. Now, you're, you're going to say I'm just saying this to be silly, but I'm not because I know human nature. And I grew up in southern Illinois, and when I was growing up in southern Illinois, one of the things I liked to do was to shoot groundhogs just for fun, okay, because they would mess with farmers. Farmers hated them. They would tear up a field. I needed shooting practice, so I would shoot groundhogs. Until one of my buddies said, did you ever eat a groundhog? And I said, no. Why would I want to eat a groundhog? I don't know. You shot it. You killed it. You got to eat it. I'm predicting that when these woolly mammoths start walking the earth, someone's going to want to eat one. Yeah. Just to say, I ate a woolly mammoth. Would you eat a woolly mammoth? Boy, if, if it was barbecued or smoked and it had the right amount of barbecue sauce on it, maybe. I have to think about it. <laughs> well, I, I'm sitting here thinking about this today when I was reading this, and I and I could see how the arguments would go that, well, woolly, I bet you woolly mammoth meat, uh, the, the meat might be low in fat and probably high in omega-3 or omega-6, and so it's really good for a person on a low-cholesterol diet. I'm just... Whenever this happens, and you'll be on to greater things, but I want you to think when that woolly mammoth is walking the tundra, somebody's going to start thinking about how can we make these and sell them at a woolly mammoth steakhouse. That would be part of a paleo diet if you a think about it. A paleo like, diet. 
Exactly, the caveman yeah. diet. Yeah. Oh, you could so see that. And, uh, and, and of course, I know the reaction is, no, we can't eat this. It's a woolly mammoth. But uh, I, I love going to Cybergs, and I love getting shark. They got shark chunks. Shark's I good. love those things. And so there's a certain innate quality, I think, in people that says, we, we're going to conquer this. We got to eat them. We're going to conquer them. We're going to have to eat them. I'm just promising you, put it on your calendar. It will happen. Oh, great music. Great music, Matt, to lead out the show this evening. Hey, we've got more next hour on the Mar-a-Lago Raid and hopefully more from you. 314-436-7900 on the Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.